1: Nick Saban took the mic today. You'll hear from the Alabama coach, plus we'll handicap the odds for another tied title run. How about we preview the rest of the Power Five? We'll also talk Group of Five. Now that we've seen Cincinnati make a CFP playoff appearance, can the Bearcats earn another shot? And with one Heisman trophy to his name, Bryce Young looks to add another, but the Alabama quarterback has his sights set on a different trophy. Young gets candid with our Marty and McGee. Hello there, we're happy to have you with us for this summer edition of College Football Live. It is all about the SEC in Atlanta, but we'll cover a lot more ground over the course of the next 90 minutes. Let's start in Tuscaloosa. Alabama reached the national championship last season and back are arguably the two best players in college football, Bryce Young and linebacker Will Anderson Jr who led the FBS with 17 and a half sacks last season. Then there's Nick Saban, a chance to win his eighth national title. He turned 70 last October. He would be the oldest coach to win a title in the poll era. The tide has reached seven of eight college football playoffs, a good chance we'll see him again. According to the All-State Playoff predictor, Alabama has an 80% chance to reach the playoffs.
2: I think that, you know, one of the most important things for Bryce or any player who has success is um, to understand that, you know, success is not a continuum. Success is momentary. Uh, so if you're going to continue to have success, you still you, you have to stay focused on the things that you need to do to improve, to pre- prepare, to lead, uh, to impact and affect other people around you. And, you know, Bryce has shown every indication that he's got a willingness to do all those things to have two players that make such a significant impact on our team as those two guys uh, I don't recall ever having a circumstance like that we've had some great impact players but never one on this on offense one on defense of you know the caliber that these guys have been able to play uh, on a consistent basis
1: of the all state playoff predictor, the usual suspects all expected to make it back to the college football playoff. Ohio State, the best chance to reach the postseason, but Alabama, the higher chance to actually win the title. Georgia, Clemson, and Notre Dame round out the top five as well. Uh, David Pollack and Joey Galloway are with us. And uh, David, I'll ask it like this Do you expect Alabama to play this season with the chip on its shoulder, given it came up just shy last season?
3: I think Alabama plays with a chip on their shoulder every year, and every year they're looked at as the favorite, so I mean, I'm not overly concerned with that, but what Coach Saban said, Wendy, nails it. I mean, you're talking about the Heisman Trophy winning player in the college football last year coming back on offense, the best player in the country coming back on defense, who would have been the number one overall pick, Will Anderson, in last year's draft who's just a freak show, so you're talking about two talented guys made of the right stuff leading Alabama. They're They're to me clearly the best team in college football and it starts with those two guys.
4: Bama lost in the playoff in 15 to Ohio State came back and won the championship in 16. Then they lost to Clemson in 17 came back and won it in 18 couple years off won it in 21 they lose last year so I do expect Alabama to come back they seem to rebound as well as any team in the country and like David said they always play with a chip on their shoulder so this will be a very talented football team that is going to be what I think back in the playoff with a chance to play for a national championship
3: And, Joey, what's stupid is, like, they've already recruiting on a level like nobody else, right, continually. Every year, top five for, like, the last ten years now, usually number one. Yeah. Well, now look at the transfer portal this past year. Like, we really need an impact running back okay let's go get one of the best in the country let's go get Jabari Gibbs from Georgia Tech like we need an impact receiver oh Georgia's best receiver last year Jermaine Burton really need a corner okay Eli Ricks coming from LSU the best cornerback probably you could find in college football so and moral just just keep looking so they, they've even addressed to another level not only now are they the best recruiting team the best one of the best coach teams obviously in the country Now they're adding transfer portal impact guys every year, Jamison Williams a year ago, that you're going to see continue to dominate too. So they've done it off the field with that as well.
1: Well, listen, your point is well taken, David. It just keeps coming. Alabama also landed the number two incoming freshman class, according to ESPN Recruiting. And only Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M class more highly regarded. So the rich get richer and they really have a system in place. Week one, though. Fellas fast approaching, so let's take a look at some notable games, and there's some great ones early. Pittsburgh hosting West Virginia in the Backyard Brawl, a rivalry match we haven't seen in quite some time, their first meeting since 2011. How about this one? The defending champion, Georgia Bulldogs, will play Oregon at Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, a 90% chance to reach the SEC championship game, according to our FBI. Not to be outdone, the Buckeyes from Ohio State feature a huge matchup as they host Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman will make his coaching debut for the Irish. They will remain an independent school, at least for right now. Billy Napier takes over for Florida. And week one, Oh, here we go, they host Utah. Each of the last five Florida head coaches have led the Gators to a bowl game. In their first season, Anthony Richardson looks to be the Gators starter. LSU coming off their first losing season since 99. Now they have Brian Kelly at the helm. They will play Florida State week one. They've not had a winning season since 2017 under Jimbo Fisher. And finally, Georgia Tech plays Clemson. The Tigers, as we've talked about, look to bounce back. Their streak of six straight conference title games came to an end last year. Georgia Tech, meanwhile, will look to improve on their three wins last year. Joey, I know you're going to watch them all, but for the sake of argument, if you could watch just one of these early games, which one would it be?
4: I'm going to pretend like Ohio State Notre Dame is not one of the options here, and I'm going to go with Georgia and Oregon just because of what it means to the national landscape. Dan Lanning leaves Georgia with a historically good defense, win a national championship. Now he goes over and takes over the Oregon team, which is a very talented team, maybe the best in the Pac-12. So we're talking about a pac-12 conference that because of the usc-ucla leaving in a couple years everyone's wondering what is going to happen in the pac-12 well david you know at the end of every season when we start talking playoffs we talk about strength of conference and what a feather in the cap of oregon of the pac-12 as a whole if oregon can knock off georgia a team that is arguably top five in the entire country. That'll be a topic we bring up later if Oregon can pull it off. So I I got my eyes on that game for what it means to the entire country when it comes to the end of the season.
3: I think that's a great one, and I also think you talk about implications too. You think about Notre Dame and Ohio State. Whoever gets that, you saw the playoff predictor we put on a second ago. Both those teams in the top five. Think about the feather in the cap you get—the at, at a conference resume win early in the season. You start worrying about tiebreakers later on. But how about Marcus Freeman? Like, you get the job. Who do you get to go against first day one as an opening coach? Your Ohio State Buckeyes, the team you played for. So I think it's a lot of intrigue there, too. But the Irish starting off with Ohio State, huge test, two, two big, huge brands in college football should be a blast to watch.
1: Listen, you'd be hard-pressed to script that one much better. By the way, Georgia, a 45% chance to win out this season according to the FBI. That's, that's David's favorite, by the way, the FBI. Uh, but we'll just leave it at that. It's the highest in the country. Ahead on this special edition of College Football Live, Bryce Young has a chance to be the first back-to-back Heisman winner since Archie Griffin. Marty and McGee chat up the Alabama QB in a way only those two can do. And we'll look closely at the power players in the Big Ten. Will the usual suspects dominate the conference, or can we expect to shake up a Big Ten preview on tap? Steph Curry hosts the 30th annual ESPYS. That's tomorrow from the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC and the ESPN app. Let's see how our FBI sees the Big Ten shaking out, if you will. This is in terms of their win totals. Ohio State leads the way at 11.8. They won 11 games last year. Michigan checks in at nine and a half after winning 12 games last season. Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State all around eight wins. Only Penn State went under that number last year. The Maize and Blue finally made it over the hump last season. They won their first outright Big Ten title since 2003. The question, though, what happens next, and it could be a different story. Expectations have not been kind to Jim Harbaugh. He's not had a season where Michigan starts in the AP poll and finishes the season with a better ranking. The Wolverines' defense also loses 70% of its production from last season, including the second overall pick. That 70% mark tied for the sixth highest rate in the FBS. Joey, what does Michigan do for an encore?
4: It's interesting because people have been trying to fire Jim Harbaugh for a long time, right up until last season. Finally got over the hump, beating Ohio State. They get into the playoff. Uh, had a very good football team, but it's interesting to me when I watch that football team It's almost like midseason They opened up the playbook and this is what when you watch Michigan you wondered uh, Where's the offensive firepower? Where's the creativity? Well, we've seen it last year uh, And the offense became something that they could win games with they could go out and say go get us some points And they proved they could do that especially in a game against a team like Ohio State put up a lot of points And they were very good on the defensive side He has to keep that going, has to keep that same mindset that he developed last season with an offense that could put up a lot of points, a defense that was aggressive, athletic on the back end, but it changes the way your team thinks about games and approaches games, and if they can continue that, they'll continue to be successful.
3: They went back to old school Smash Mouth. They just ran the football. They didn't make any bones about it. But I think Michigan has to take the next step because last year they had a great defense. Those guys are gone. I mean, Ajabo's gone. You look, look at uh, you look at Aiden Hutchinson at number two. He's gone. So I think I think they're losing a lot of productions. Dax Hill's gone. So there's three first round picks basically that are not going to be there. They're going to have to be more dynamic. And, and Joey, when are we going to talk about a Michigan quarterback again taking over? Is it JJ? Is J.J. McCarthy that guy who's going to come in now and be the face of this team you saw Cade McNamara last year have a really solid really good season but you still saw J.J. didn't you you still saw him rotating in there a lot. There's got to be a reason he was a highly recruited kid so I think who's at the helm for this offense and can they go to the next level can they be more explosive throw the football down the field make make those fun plays in college football, make, the, make people pay when you want to stack the box, that's going to be the big key for Michigan.
1: Michigan has not had back-to-back seasons with double-digit wins since Harbaugh's first two seasons there, 2015 and 2016. Uh, but what about the expectations, David, for Ohio State? You talk one, you almost have to talk about the other. What do you want to see in Columbus?
3: Man, I expect Ohio State to be exactly who they are, and thats they're going to be very much in the thick of things for the playoffs, and I, I am very excited to see I know what they're going to do offensively I don't even care about who the names are we don't I don't care if it's Fields, Stroud I don't care who it is at quarterback they're going to put up big numbers receivers are going to put up big numbers they recruited such a high level but now you bring in coach Knowles defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State and you completely revamp your defense that's going to decide how great Ohio State's going to be this year they were poor 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 at times remember made a coordinator switch early in the season last year to get different now I think they've hired one of the best defensive coordinators in all its college football Joey if the defense catches up with the offense now we're talking about instead of just being the Big Ten champion almost every single year now we're going to talk about this team as being one of the favorites to win a national title
4: and the defense is the only question mark in Columbus and and you bring in Jim Knowles, like you mentioned What becomes interesting to me is Jim Knowles was really good on defense the past year at Oklahoma State in the Big 12. It is a different style of football in the Big 12. It's a lot of passing. A lot of teams play 3-3 defense with a lot of defensive backs. That is not Big Ten football. I know Jim Knowles has been around for a long time, and I've had these discussions with some of the coaches at Ohio State, and I feel very confident that he has the ability to put together a defense that can be successful in the Big Ten, but that remains to be seen. We'll keep our eye on Uh, what what kind of differences he has to make to have that same success in the Big Ten because it's a much more physical league. And you mentioned a second ago Michigan running the football. Well, you think Michigan State, Penn State, all those teams want to run the football. Can Jim Knowles get a defense that's tough up front while also being athletic and have playmakers on the back end?
1: Joey, who wins the Big Ten West?
4: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with Minnesota. Uh, Yeah, I'm going going with P.J. Fleck. Uh, I think they're going to start rowing that boat again. I know you just put up the the graphic. Uh, I think Wisconsin and Nebraska were above Minnesota in total win uh, by David's favorite, F.P.I., whatever that is. (laughs) They were uh, projected to win more games, but I'm going with Tanner Morgan coming back. Didn't have a great season, but he's a veteran quarterback that's played a lot of games. Uh, They get their running back back in Muhammad Ibrahim, He's back. If you remember what he did before he got hurt, 260-some yards against Ohio State and two touchdowns. He goes down. He comes back to a team that won seven of their last nine games on the season, including a bowl win. So I like Minnesota to keep the boat rolling.
3: My favorite thing about that answer, Wendy, is when you asked him, he chuckled because he's like, it's freaking July, bro. That's right. Like, what, That's where we are, we are you fellas. me to answer that? But it is what it is. I almost went with Purdue because they're at a conference slate. Their crossovers are so good. They avoid Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. So I thought about going with Purdue, but then I woke up and I was like, all right, I'm going to go with a knowns. I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Like, I know Jim Leonard replacing basically his whole defense. Joey, we've no, we've seen we've seen Wisconsin defenses for the last 6,000 years. What are they going to be? They're going to be extremely physical, stop the run, get in your face, and so I think they'll run the football, they'll be Wisconsin, and I think they'll win.
1: Listen, there's nothing quite like title talk in July, you know, but uh, I will tell you this. <laughs> there hasn't so been great. a repeat winner of the Big 10 West since Wisconsin did it. That was in 2016 and 2017. Well, speaking of the regular season, we know there's a lot of hard work ahead, but no reason we can't have a little fun in the meantime. Spirits were high last week during Big 12 Media Days, and we'll show you the moments you may have missed.
3: One thing is for sure. There is no doubt the Big 12 is open for business.
4: I'm a fly person, so I like to do fly things. I
6: mean, look at the shape. Got the
7: wallet.
4: I got my boots. These my favorite
6: pair of boots.
8: You have any impressions of Neil Brown, you do. Give me your eyes.
5: Hey, give me your eyes. Hey, <laughs> come on. Just like you would expect the fire hose is fully inserted. All right, cowboy. <laughs> when you want respect, and you want to earn respect, you take that helmet and you strike them. That's how you get respect. This is what it's all about. Why you work so hard in the offseason, and we got just 60 minutes to find out who's going to win this ballgame.
9: The first touchdown of this championship game, and Georgia claims its first lead. You're either
3: elite or you're not.
5: 40-yard touchdown strike. Bennett to A.D. Mitchell in the back right corner of the right end zone. The
9: Dogs retake the lead. Launching down.
1: I'm a champion, I'm a champion, I'm a champion, I'm a champion. So much has happened since the Bulldogs held up that trophy. USC and UCLA announced they'll be leaving for the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. That should happen by 2024. USC did more than that. They got Lincoln Riley as their new head coach. He brought along quarterback Caleb Williams with him. Meanwhile, the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has said there is, and I quote, no sense of urgency to expand, as Texas and Oklahoma prepare to join in a few years. And there certainly has been no shortage of folks talking about the impact of realignment.
6: Well, you you call it realignment. Um, You really call it chasing the bag. And that's all they're doing, they're chasing the bag. Everything with realignment is all about, (laughs) I'm trying to put it nicely because I'm a head coach now. But they're trying to get money, man. Everybody's trying to line themselves up properly so their program can prosper. And I don't mind that. I want us to prosper as well. I think there's a
10: good chance we're going to end up with three power conferences with right around 20 teams. And what I want to know is what will happen to the teams that are left out of those 55 to 60 teams that ultimately are going to kind of be in this new this new world that we're headed towards, where a college football playoff is it's kind of dictating
2: it. I think that, you know, mega conferences may be something that, you know, we all have to deal with in the future. Uh, I think, you know, probably, you know, money probably drives a lot of this. I can't blame people for that. Uh, it's sort of above my pay grade, though, to know, you know, what we should do as a league in the SEC or what any other league should do. But uh, I think as we progress forward, the, the mega conference, you know, will create you know, a little more of a cast system maybe in college football, and uh, I think everybody's got to decide if that's the direction we really want to go or not. For the haves, which obviously at Alabama we're one of the haves, uh, it's probably a good thing. Uh, for some of the have-nots, uh, you know, maybe it won't work out as well.
1: Well, Pete Thamel, I have to say, relatively nothing is above Nick Sabin's pay grade, but <laughs> we'll let that stand <laughs> as it is. But. Uh, Either way, every day it does seem like there's something new about conference realignment. What's the latest buzz?
11: Yeah, Wendy, conference
9: realignment is like the rest of us. It's day to day. And uh, yesterday the big development was that
4: conversations between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 dissipated. The Big 12 called and said they weren't interested in some type of merger that had been loosely discussed. All eyes are going to go now towards the conversations between the Pac-12 and the ACC, which have been ongoing. We've reported for about a week that there's a lot of pessimism around anything happening between the Pac-12 and the ACC in terms of a scheduling arrangement. So I feel like the next step, Wendy, is that at ACC Media Day, they may address some type of unequal revenue sharing, which could be a path forward for the ACC to be a bit more secure in the future.
3: Well, I and mean, when you look at the ACC, isn't there a lot of money connected to that conference? Like, if somebody wants to leave the ACC, what, is, what does that entail? That entails a lot of cheddar. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Which ain't going to happen. Like, okay. most, of, most of these teams, and Dion said it right. I mean, now, I, I don't know about the bat chasing the bag part, but, like, why would you not want to align yourself with a conference that's going to make you a lot of money, secure all of your sports, not just football? And that's what people's doing. I mean, USC is going to go now. They're, they're Olympic sports. Everything's going to be taken care of now by joining the Big Ten. So it, it's it's literally about securing your future. It's not about rivalries. It's not about fans. It's not about any of that crap anymore. And you got to, people that are just making those decisions, Wendy, you kind of, kind of understand that's part of it. And that's what they look at is the revenue stream that they can develop and can continue to maintain their program at a high level.
1: Well, sure, and I think everybody's going to have to get their mind around that. This isn't about anything except every particular program and institution trying to do what's best and to maximize their potential and revenue stream. I mean, that's what it is and that's why we'll continue to see so many things change before we finally settle and the dust settles and we see what it's gonna look like. What's interesting, of course, is that right now in a lot of conferences, things will look familiar. Take the Big 12, for example, but that's right now for this season and not for long. Oklahoma and Texas are set to join the SEC. Meanwhile, don't forget BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF will join the conference in the coming years. Also, three teams will have new head coaches. Oklahoma hired Brent Venables, TCU turned to Sonny Dykes, and then Texas, tap, uh, Texas Tech tabbed Joey McGuire. Also, we talk a lot about the transfer portal. soon Sooners landed former UCF QB Dylan Gabriel, JT Daniels now at West Virginia, and do not sleep on veteran Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. Here's the new Big 12 commissioner.
3: You know what? I'm learning by fire in some respects, and it's and it's probably the best way to do it. Um, obviously, with conference realignment and what's at the forefront of college athletics right now, um, it requires me to jump in. Um, Bob has been a fantastic resource for me. I've spent a lot of time with him. The, the ADs, the presidents, everyone's been great and very welcoming. So uh, I'm learning by fire, but I feel really good about where this conference is going, what the opportunities in front of us are. And my job is to take advantage of them.
8: And we're recapping the Big 12 media day from Wednesday and Thursday. So many changes, new coaches, new commissioner. We're excited to talk you through all of it. I'm here with Dusty Dvoracek and Andre Ware. We're gonna talk about number one, the first thing, new commissioner, Brett Yormark. What are your main takeaways? from hearing him talk on Wednesday and Thursday. Business is
9: open, man. The Big 12 is open for business. My biggest takeaway is, though he did not completely outline his vision, it's very clear. He is here to help add value and help you know get the absolute most they can in this upcoming round of media rights. he, he talked specifically about getting younger, getting hipper, and 100%, Brett, your mark? He is a businessman. That's why he was brought to be the commissioner of the Big 12.
6: Yeah, he's in favor of, of expansion. He is uh, in line with NIL. I think all the things in the way, the way where college football is trending to, he is on board with it. And you know, you mentioned younger and hipper. How's he do with social media? And that's what all youngsters nowadays are, are, are taking advantage of. That gets and builds the brand of the Big 12. And he really spoke a lot about building the brand of the Big 12 nationally.
8: And he did it at Rock Nation, as we know. He has somewhat of a different background. He's been in the business world a little bit, and now he's here. Well, now moving on, let's talk about some of the new coaches that are in the Big 12. We have three new coaches. Out of those three, who are you excited about the most?
9: Well, look, I think uh, Joey McGuire at Texas Tech, he was on fire today or whenever we had a chance to speak with him. I mean, the energy this guy has brought to this Texas Tech program, it is palpable. You can see it on his players' faces. You can hear it in their voice. He's got the inroads with the Texas high school football coaches, seven former Texas high school football coaches on his staff. They're doing great in recruiting. He just got a big $200 million investment from some of their donors, Joey McGuire. I don't know how many wins they have this
6: year, but man, that arrow, it's pointing up. It's tough to, and tough to match that energy. I mean, you feel it. You felt it from him, you felt it from the players we got a chance to talk to. But I'll go I'll go, Coach Venables at, at Oklahoma and in a sense where he's bringing in a quarterback, a transfer. When have we seen a quarterback in the transfer portal go somewhere and they already know the offense they're basically they arrive on campus and Dylan Gabriel's teaching the receivers and and, uh, tight ends and running backs the offense. So I think they've got a significant jump on everybody else from that standpoint where they're going to get excellent quarterback play on day one. And
8: speaking of excellent quarterback play you talked about Dylan Gabriel transfer quarterback from UCF. Well there are a couple new quarterbacks in the Big 12. I'm excited about Dylan Gabriel myself but but. Dusty, let's go with you. Who are you most excited about of the transfer quarterbacks in the Big 12?
9: I mean, year number one, I think it's Dylan Gabriel. Throughout the course of their career, it might wind up being Quinn Ewers. But this first year, it's exactly what Andre said, the familiarity, the continuity, understanding this offense, the offensive coordinator, And again, he's already teaching the offense to the players. So I think as far as transfers in year number one, it's got to be Dylan Gabriel.
6: Yeah, I agree with you, but I'll go I'll I'll take a swing in another direction, and that's Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. I think a dark horse to win this conference is Kansas State because what they have on offense, three other top pass catchers are coming back this year. They've got arguably one of the better running backs in Deuce Vaughn, Elusive. He's going to be in the mix. And then you add Adrian Martinez to that mix along with a good defense. If he can just stay healthy and we get the good Adrian Martinez, Kansas State's going to be a player. I'm with to take care of the football too. No doubt. If he does that, he's going to be good.
8: Yeah, he's going to be good. And there was obviously some huge games last year. He had almost beat Ohio State at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So that was really exciting. Well, there are a couple of non-conference games that we're excited about as well. Obviously, the Big 12 is changing. There's so much shifting. Uh, But we've talked about BYU and Baylor. Uh, Talking about uh, Oklahoma has a couple of non-conference games. Week one, we got the backyard brawl. First time in a long time, we got Pitt and West Virginia. Obviously, we're excited about that. That's going to be in September 1st. That's going to be a huge game. What do we think about that?
6: I love the game I love uh, the the rivalry it's it's one of the few that we've been able to or managed to keep in college football that's one that you turn on each and every day but it's hard to ignore Alabama and Texas in week two it's gonna be a
9: great litmus test to see exactly where Steve Sarkeesian's team is week number two and look it's gonna be a tough ride here on Dave Aranda's squad to go on the road Mm -hmm. look at that kick time of that game it's gonna be late that's a tough place to play in Provo Baylor beat up on BYU last year. They're going to look to return the favor.
8: Iowa Iowa State, what do you think about that one?
6: Yeah, I'm in agreement with Dusty. I think Iowa State finally gets over the hump against Iowa this year. A lot has gone out the door at Iowa. Both teams are trying to uh, regroup and and get themselves ready. But I, I, I like what Matt Campbell's building.
9: One of the best rivalries in college football (laughs) is back. We saw it this year in Norman go to Lincoln, Nebraska this upcoming uh, season. I think that's going to be a phenomenal game and one that Brent Venables really needs to make sure they take care of business.
8: And I see a couple things, a couple rekindled rivalries, Mm -hmm. but also some of the teams that are playing these are non-conference games. Soon in a couple years they may be conference games with BYU being one of the teams coming to the Big 12 Houston as well. Out of these teams that are coming to the Big 12, what are we most excited about seeing in some of these matchups?
6: I think they they fit well with what's going on in in the Big 12. There's been this shift of wide open offenses and very little defense to Games being won in the trenches, and I think all four teams coming in, with maybe the exception of UCF, but Houston runs the football. We know BYU can run it. Uh, Cincinnati's a physical football team, along with UCF coming in, bringing an exciting brand of football. So I think the Big 12 did themselves a huge favor by adding these four teams. I'm with you. It's four great teams, great programs. We didn't
9: see them on, the, on that list right there. But I'm intrigued with Cincinnati. Yeah. How, how do they respond last season? They lost a lot, both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. to the NFL in graduation. How do they respond this season? What do they look like? I think Luke Fickle's one of the best coaches in the country. So I'm just intrigued to see, you know, exactly, do they take a big step back or do they stay kind of on par before they step foot in the Big 12? Well, we
8: feel it now. This is media day. We're in the weeks of media days. The season is fast approaching. This is the first of many Wednesday and Thursday Big 12 media day. There are more to come. We'll see you next time.
1: Gentlemen, thank you. Still ahead, we turn our attention to the ACC, and our quarterback, AJ Manuel has his list of QBs who will make a big leap forward this season, plus Bryce Young met the media today in Atlanta as he gets set for another season under center at Alabama. You will hear from the reigning Heisman Trophy winner.
10: What a huge day on championship weekend here in college football. We here to win. In traffic, Taylor Morin went up and snagged it. You better bring the noise. Don't sleep on those legs. Oh, He faked the slide, sauce
3: time. Did that work? Touchdown Pitt. Try to make a move, step up, got a lot to prove. Room service, ring it up, touchdown
10: Panthers wow offensive football is on full display and another pick by hartman he's going to crib it hallen houston touchdown pittsburgh great move touchdown pittsburgh he
5: shook gavin holmes to get into the end zone because we here to win we here to win
10: well, as kenny pickett will take a bow the subway acc championship belongs to pittsburgh by virtue of their 45 45- 21 victory.
1: You can say there was a changing of the guard. Pitt was the first team in the ACC not named Clemson to win the conference title since 2014. Caesar Sportsbook says though, Clemson will be back on top this season. There are four new head coaches in the league, all in the Coastal Division. The biggest name, perhaps Mario Cristobal, who lands back home in Miami after four full seasons at Oregon. And the conference has announced it will be the last season with two divisions. They will move to one in 2023, but for now, our FBI says Clemson has the best chance to win the Atlantic and Pitt for the Coastal. Clemson also the favorite to win the conference as a whole, 59%, according to our FBI. Miami right after, but only other team with at least a double-digit chance. UNC and Pitt follow at 7% each. ACC Network uh, EJ, analyst E.J. Manuel checks in. And E.J., uh, let's start with Clemson. Do you agree, will it be a bounce-back season for the Tigers?
10: Look, Wendy, I, I do agree. Um, I think when you look at Clemson defensively, uh, they're going to have at least seven, maybe eight guys in that defense uh, that will be drafted high, specifically Brian Brazee, Miles Murphy. But when you look at the offensive side, it all starts with the quarterback, and that's D.J. Uyunglele. Last year, he did struggle. I think 56% completion percentage, uh, nine touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. That's not going to cut it at Clemson. If you want to play a national brand of football where you're competing for a college football playoff berth, he has to play better. Now, the best thing for him is he gets another opportunity. And you have a head coach like Dabo Sweeney that's going to exude that confidence in him, give him another opportunity to show, hey, I can be the guy here at Clemson. But don't forget, you got a young freshman coming in Uh, Kay Klubnick, he showed well in the spring, and obviously uh, he's going to be pushing for that starting job as well.
1: You know, Clemson, in one sense, a victim of its own success. They've set that bar so incredibly high. EJ, if we take the Tigers out of the mix, uh, who are you watching elsewhere in the ACC?
10: Wendy, it's going to be NC State. Uh, I think the Wolfpack and what they showed last year was so impressive. Obviously knocking off the big dog in Clemson at home. Uh, They had a couple losses late in the season that obviously cost them the opportunity to play for ACC Championship Uh, But their quarterback is special. Devin Leary, uh, I think he's a smooth operator, right? You remember that song called Smooth Operator? And I think that (laughs) he's one of those guys, when he's on the field, he's going to make things happen. He puts the ball in the right place for the receivers to have an opportunity to either catch and run or make a big body catch. I also think he's a great leader. Uh, I just feel like when he's at the helm, he's one of those guys that he's the X factor for this football team. So, you know, Dave Dorn is used to having a team that's, hunters but now they're going to be the hunted because everybody's expecting them to be good so let's see how they handle that
1: EJ, it's funny you say smooth operator and talk quarterbacks because i'm told i mean i I almost want to ask who you don't like as a quarterback in the acc because i know you (laughs) like just about everyone uh so that said uh, i know you're high on these qbs who stands out
10: yeah well look wendy i wish we had more time on the show because i could fill the whole show with quarterbacks in the acc but start with tyler van dyke Out of Miami, he has size, he has a howitzer for an arm, and he has accuracy. One of the things that makes him special is, again, that prototypical size, six foot five, 230 pounds, and he can fit the ball on the seams on the deep third. He throws a catchable ball in the short and medium range. When you're a quarterback that has a strong arm, sometimes you have to learn to hone that thing back in so your tight ends and running backs can make those types of plays for you out on the field. So expect a big year from TBD, Tyler Van Dyke. Now this next quarterback, Wendy, Sam Hartman, a proven winner. He's been there for an extremely long time. I feel like I've been talking about Sam for the past six years, uh, but he's coming back for his senior season. He's a red zone killer, and when I watch him on tape, he reminds me of a very young Aaron Rodgers. One of those guys, when he gets down inside the 20, he's going to make a play, especially getting out the pocket, finding open receivers in the background of the end zone. Now this guy, Wendy, he was on track for maybe throwing for 5,000 yards last year. He had a, a shoulder injury late in the season that kind of sidelined him a little bit, but he's a gunslinger and that's Brennan Armstrong. He's mobile, he has great anticipation on the interior throws like seams and digs, but also he can get loose with his ball security. So that's one area where I would really like to see Brennan grow because he has that confidence, but you gotta reel it in and protect the football. Now this last quarterback, Wendy, he's my favorite. All right, it's Malik Cunningham. And I think he has the great combination of pass and run. I like to say he's baby Lamar in a way because this dude is so explosive when he takes off and runs. But not only is he a runner, he's an excellent passer. He's thrown I think only six interceptions last year, 19 touchdown passes, 20 rushing touchdowns. So really if Malik Cunningham's on the field for Louisville, I'm expecting to see a lot of wins. If he can put it all together, this could possibly be a Heisman contender.
1: All right, EJ. I'm sorry we don't have more time either, but I know we'll talk to you as we get underway. Uh, The season coming fast. Thank you. ACC media days get underway this week. On Wednesday, it will be the Atlantic side of the conference. That includes Clemson, Wake Forest, and Florida State. And then on Thursday, we turn to the coastal. That means we'll hear from teams like Pittsburgh who won the division. Senior college football uh, writer Heather Denich joins us now. And Heather, we know the ACC is in the middle of all this, talking about conference realignment. How will it factor into the future landscape of college football? Well, Wendy,
12: multiple sources inside the conference have said that the general sense is no one is going anywhere anytime soon because the reality is it would be far too costly because the grant of rights extends through the 2036 season. So the conversation has turned to how do we make our schools happy? How do we keep them happy? And it's about revenue distribution. Some schools are asking for more money for a bigger slice of the pie. And I actually spoke to a source in the Big 12 earlier today who said they might want to consider it because had we given OU and Texas a little bit more money, maybe they would have had second thoughts about going to the SEC.
1: Well, Notre Dame, you know, it's interesting, plays a partial ACC schedule, but they are still an independent. And a lot of people question, The Irish, do you hear they'll stay that way or do you expect eventually they will join a conference?
12: Well, they're in no rush to make that decision, Wendy. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick has told me as much that they want to see the landscape settle right now. They don't have to do anything. If they were to join a conference contractually, it would have to be the ACC unless they were to withdraw their other sports out of that conference, pay an exit fee, pay the grant of rights fee, then they could play football wherever they wanted to. But my sources indicate they are certainly in no rush to make any decision.
1: That makes a lot of sense. As for what happens on the field, let's talk football. A bit of a down year last season for Clemson. Dabo Sweeney also had to replace his offensive and defensive coordinators. What was that process like for Dabo? According to Dabo, it was all of
12: 30 seconds because that's what he does, and a total of a minute, one for the defensive and one for the offensive coordinator. Tommy Streeter, he promoted from within. He worked with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, but he's never called a play in his life. And then you look at his defensive coordinator, Wes Goodwin, he was Brett Venable's right-hand man, but he was a defensive analyst. So, essentially, as long as these guys have been on staff seven to ten years when it comes to these big-time positions, they're rookies, but this is what Dabo does he likes to promote from within that's how he was hired remember and he said nobody liked that hire either and he points to Chad Morris one of his former offensive coordinators he didn't call a play either and that
1: turned out pretty well
12: for the Tigers as
1: a lifelong Clemson fan I do remember when he was hired and what we all said Uh, shows what we know still ahead Heather thank you on College Football Live there's a new coach and quarterback at USC this season Acho and Joey will tell you what they expect from Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Plus, Bryce Young looking to become the first repeat winner of the Heisman since Archie Griffin. We'll have his exclusive conversation with Marty and McGee. Welcome back. Time now to turn our attention to the Pac-12, at least some teams that are there for now. Late last month, the news broke that USC and UCLA will leave the Conference of Champions in 2024 to join the Big Ten. Sam and Joey are back with us. And Sam, we have to ask this about every conference at this point, but what is the future of the Pac-12?
8: In a lot of ways, it's in disarray. We don't know what's going to happen with the Pac-12. USC and UCLA are both leaving. And now the question is, will the new commissioner of the Big 12, Brett Yormark, bring some Pac-12 teams to the Big 12, or will it be the other way around? There's also been talk about the ACC and the Pac-12 merging. And so I have no idea this time last year there were teams that are in (laughs) one conference that are leaving, so it'll be interesting to see.
4: I thought with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 uh, in the next couple years and then what USC and UCLA did, I just assumed that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 would get together with whatever's left and create one big conference. Uh, That hasn't happened yet. uh, Who knows what's going to happen? But it's interesting to start with a question that nobody knows what's going to happen in the Pac-12. Well,
1: let's talk a little bit about another place things will look different And that is at USC this season, there's been a lot of changes. They announced their move to the Big Ten, which is coming in a few years. They also, of course, hired Lincoln Riley, who brought along transfer QB Caleb Williams. They also got Jordan Addison to transfer from Pittsburgh. Joey, look, when you talk about USC and the program and the history, the expectations are always high, that is a given. But you add Lincoln Riley, and I swear now it's almost as if it's national championship or unsuccessful season.
4: Well, I'd be surprised if uh, that national championship comes anytime soon. Uh, I had a chance to go out there in the spring. Uh, I think they had 60 scholarship players going into their spring game. Obviously, bringing in Kayla Williams is a huge get uh, in the transfer portal. But they have to add a lot more pieces. This is a team that only had two scholarship quarterbacks at the time when I was there. So they got to add some pieces, which they've been doing. I don't see them winning a national title in the next couple years. But as they make a move to the Big Ten, uh, they're going to have to become a much more physical football team to match the brand of style uh, that they play in the Big Ten. But right now, when you look at USC, I think they're a couple years away.
8: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think more so, we talk about the offensive additions. We're excited about all those. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. But what we're not talking about is the struggles that may happen on the defense. So you're going to see this guy a lot. Caleb Williams, he's a stud. He's a star. He's a... He is going to make plays. He did it last year as a freshman all over the field. He's going to do it this year. The story is not being told about the offense is what's going to happen with the defense. Alex Grinch is a defensive coordinator. He came from Oklahoma. We're excited about that. But also, if you look at Oklahoma stats, last year they were ranked 76 overall when the season ended in defense. They gave up opening drive touchdowns to teams like West Virginia, Texas. Kansas they gave up a nine-minute 80-yard drive touchdown opening drive touchdown to teams like Kansas so the defense struggled mightily last year under Alex Grinch I think that same Alex Grinch who's going to be at USC will see struggles on the defensive side of the ball this year as well
1: Sam the Pac-12 ditching divisions this year so the teams with the two best conference records will make the title game so I'll ask you Acho who reaches the Pac-12 championship
8: I think it's going to be Utah, and I think it's going to be Oregon. I think USC will make some noise, but that late game against Notre Dame is going to be tough. Obviously, Utah has been dominant over the last few years, so I'm excited about them. Oregon, new coach Dan Lanning, they have a lot of talent. A lot of their talent didn't leave when when Mario Cristobal left, and so I think those are the teams we're going to see at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas in the Pac-12 Championship.
4: Yeah, I've been uh, really bad at this in past years and and my ability to pick (laughs) the preseason teams that are going to get to a championship game. Uh, But I'm going to go with Utah and Oregon also. And and not because I think I know anything, because in past years I've tried to use my own analytics. Uh, and think my way through this thing, and then so much happens during the course of a season, and it's hard to win games. You have injuries. You have different things. Uh, I think that Utah has been a solid team that has been very consistent. They're going to keep that rolling. And then, like you all, it will be interesting to see what Dan Landing does at Oregon with that team. Uh, and they do have a lot of talent. You bring in a defensive coach from, from Georgia that had an outstanding defense last season to an Oregon team that has struggled on the defensive side in past years. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm going with Oregon and Utah as well. All
1: right. No need to overthink Joey. Utah and Oregon, the heavy favorites, according to FBI, to reach the championship 59 and 54% respectively.
0: How would you describe your 2021 season?
1: Throws
5: to the near side, intercepted. Georgia has won the national championship.
7: Incomplete. My goal was never to win a certain award or to put up certain numbers. There's a lot of work. We have to do as a team a lot of work. I have to do individually. Just because we have the A on our chest doesn't mean anything. We have to earn everything.
1: It's hard enough to win the Heisman Trophy, let alone repeat, and perhaps the reason no one has done that since Archie Griffin in 1974 and 75. Alabama quarterback Bryce Young is in position to do it, not to mention to win a national championship as he returns for another season in Tuscaloosa. Here's the Tide quarterback with Marty and McGee.
11: Mr. Heisman himself. Right? Man, you look sharp. I appreciate good you. Good to see you brother. Thank How you. we doing <laughs> man? Doing, good, man. Good. Good. good to see you. Good to see you too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just, Looking we should great. start
7: with the heat on the feet. Holy cow. <laughs> Walk us through it, man. Um, Christian Louboutin is on, trying to keep up with you, man. I know, Who that's what Will in? said. Gotta bring my A game. Winning the Heisman Trophy changes your life. Just does. So how has like what has been the
11: the cha- what has been the evolution since you were handed that trophy? It back changes your name.
2: Yeah. Like you're not just for the rest of your life. Yeah. No, it's Heisman Trophy winner. That's those are your first three names.
7: I don't know. I, I honestly I beg to differ. It hasn't really changed. It hasn't really changed anything. Um, my day to day is the same. How I look at things are the same. How I approach things are the same. I'm, I'm in the same same spot. We have the same goals. How I look at it is it's been a huge blessing, and a huge honor to win the award. Um, but it celebrates a season that happened already. I'm grateful for it, but it doesn't entitle me to anything. I think it'll be probably even cooler to look back on down the line, and yeah. it, it's cool to kind of be proud of for a little bit, but um, it doesn't mean anything for me moving forward, so. Where is it? On. My parents have it. Okay, okay,
2: good. I hate it when you ask, and the guy's like, oh, I don't know, it's in a closet. Okay, whatever, dude. I know, <laughs> it's I know. the Heisman. I, I, I would weld it to the front of my truck. I would <laughs> too,
11: Coach Saban, after the national championship game, he could have told you and Will what you meant to him and what you meant to the program in the locker room, could have done it on the plane, could have done it three days later, but he chose to tell you guys, hold on a minute, stay here. I want to tell you here at this podium in front of the world what you mean to me and to this program. What was that moment like and what did those words mean to you in that moment?
7: No, it definitely, it definitely meant a lot to know that coach was there for us. Coach still had the presence of mind with all the emotion. Obviously, I'd imagine it was going through his head as well. You know, that means a lot. You know, you obviously, you don't see coaches do that often. And I think it goes to show everyone sees kind of that hard side of coach. What people don't see is how much he cares about us as players, what he means to us, how much we mean to him. And for him to be able to, especially in that moment, um, you know, say that publicly, that, that definitely meant a lot for me.
1: What a sophomore season it was for Bryce Young. He became the first Alabama QB to win the Heisman as he filled up the stat sheet. He ranked second in all of FBS in passing yards, touchdowns, and QBR. Still to come on College Football Live, who will play for the national title in Los Angeles this season? David, Joey, and Acho make their title predictions.
13: Welcome back to college football live here in Atlanta at the college football Hall of Fame. The epicenter of the sport right here for SEC media days. Brian Kelly taking the podium for LSU on day one and then day two Nick Saban laser focused here today and this is no secret when it comes to the playoff. The SEC is king. Thank you, thank you,
3: thank you. Let's in a launch downfield touchdown LSU Clemson's on the ropes right now. Burrow looking for the kill shot. Jump over.
2: Burrell said, time to fit me for that rig. LSU sits on the throne of college football. Here come the Alabama Crimson Tide
0: in search of national championship number 18. Najee out of the backfield. He's got a touchdown.
2: Fascinating this rematch. It's the dynasty versus the drought. Touchdown, Georgia! The Dodge retake
6: the lead. Intercepted
9: all the way to the end zone. Georgia on the mountaintop.
3: Demons begun and the drought is over.
13: Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs will be in town Wednesday to take the podium as the reigning national champions Roman Harper and Tim Tebow here we think we know about the top of the league right Alabama and Georgia but then you wonder about LSU and Brian Kelly and Roman when you've heard from him this week and just knowing what you know about their roster what are your expectations for BK in Baton Rouge
5: well I think the the future is bright I love Brian Kelly as a coach and what he's going to build there I think they need a little bit of time I'm not expecting big things this year but in due time it will come back the amount of athletes that come into LSU in and out every year is no question that is not the issue it's going to be about getting your right guy and your guys in there over time we know how great he is with the offensive line over to tradition and also just building a program this is what Brian Kelly does he wins Football games.
11: I kind of see some sneaky confidence in him, man. There's no sneaky. He he said multiple times he's like, we know we don't get a a bye year, you know. Mm. We gotta show up and we gotta perform, you know, day one. And by the way, day one is also against FSU. That's a pretty big day one. So I'm fascinated by this team because I think they got a really good coaching staff, a lot of talent. But who's gonna be their quarterback? Mm. Who's gonna be the signal caller? Because ultimately in this league, that's a difference between you know, six and six and nine and three yeah. is, is just having a guy that can take the next step there.
13: You got Jaden Daniels, who transferred from Arizona State, Miles Brennan, who seemingly has been there forever, sixth year, <laughs> and then Garrett Nussmeyer, who comes in as the red shirt freshman. How about some other transfer quarterbacks we should be keeping our eye on? You start, Roman.
5: For some odd reason, I keep going back to Max Johnson. I know yeah. he was successful. At LSU for the times he's there. He knows how to deliver the football. If you got Kayshawn Butte, I'm finding Keyshawn Butte. That is what Texas A&M missed at times last year, was a guy that could just get it to their playmakers in opportune times. That is what Max Johnson does the best. He'll be able to deliver the football. He's a veteran guy that's won a lot of games. He
11: also can take hits. He also has his younger brother there. So things will happen for Texas A&M with Max Johnson. Hey, listen. For me, it's about Spencer Rattler. I think his kid's one of the most talented kids in the country. It's interesting because Coach Beamer's also got a lot more talent there than people think. They yes. got some big transfers came in. They kind of just filling the spots up enough to where I think they're going to be competitive in most of the games this year.
13: You think about the positivity around South Carolina. What an incredible turnaround already for Shane Beamer. But he says he's only just getting started, and he has the quarterback in place. More coming from us here in Atlanta throughout this college football. Live as we continue to tell you all the stories from SEC Media Days. It's the unofficial start to college football season, and it's definitely talking season. We'll be back,
1: guys. Thank you. He's no stranger. Former Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman got the job, tabbed as Brian Kelly's successor, the head coach of the Fighting Irish. It will be the first head coaching job for Freeman as he takes one of, uh, takes over one of college football's most prestigious programs. Brian Kelly as we know has moved on to Baton Rouge after a great deal of success Pollock uh, what do you expect to come out of South Bend in season one
3: I think he's going to have success I don't think he's going to be in the playoff and and I saw he has one of the best chances Notre Dame does to be in the playoffs but. You lost a lot of talent offensively you lose your QB you lose your running back you lose your best wide receiver I think there's a lot to, to replace I think the schedule when you're opening up with Ohio State you're playing Clemson I mean you're playing North Carolina you're playing BYU you're playing USC like Notre Dame has a really really tough schedule this season I expect Notre Dame to be a good good team I expect them to be a nine and three type team I don't expect them to be a college football playoff uh, contender this season.
8: Yeah, and I expect the same. We'll see early September 3rd at Ohio State. It's going to be an unbelievable game, going against C.J. Stroud and the Jim Knowles defense, but we forget how great of a defensive mind, defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman is, so I expect this Notre Dame defense to be even better than they were last year. They were top 20 in scoring defense, top 20 in turnovers, top 20 in red zone defense, so that should be able to slow down some of these high-powered offenses. Like we're going to see at UN- USC, maybe even UNC and Clemson as well, but it's going to be they challenge based upon their schedule.
1: I tell you what, I can't get enough of that video, though. The way he was received, uh, you know, it, it's it's sometimes nice to keep things in house. Let's talk about the Group of Five, if you will, for just a minute. We know Cincinnati made history last season, becoming the first Group of Five team to crash the College Football Playoff party. The Bearcats came up short against Alabama, but of course, hope would love to earn another shot after the 2022 season. So here's a look at some of the notable games on a few of these group of five team schedules. Cincy opens up their season with Arkansas, that game, by the way, on ESPN. UCF takes on Louisville, that's September 9th. That's Friday on ESPN2. And later in the season, SMU and Cincinnati will meet. Uh, Sam, I don't know whether to ask who has a realistic shot here, or is there a team that has a shot here? But I'll let you answer either way.
8: Well, either way the answer would be the same i would say houston has a great shot of winning the aac why you have clayton toon coming back and nathaniel dell these are two of the most dynamic playmakers in all of college football they're both on the watch list for college football player of the year dana dana holgerson is the obviously the offensive mind behind the system but houston lost their first game against texas tech won 11 in a row and then they met cincinnati in the aac championship game yes they lost that game but they went on to beat Auburn in the bowl game. And so, for me, I think Houston is the team we need to watch out for because that dude you just saw on your screen, they call him Tank Nathaniel Dell, over 1,300 yards receiving last year, but also because of their quarterback, Clayton Toon.
3: Anytime you got a nickname, Tank, you're a stud. Like a name, Tank, that's just beautiful. But <laughs> i tell you what, when, when you're Cincinnati, I, I'm interested for the encore with Cincinnati. I mean, you went to the college football playoff, something that we thought nobody would ever do, a group of five teams. All the dominoes would have to fall right. They ended up beating Notre Dame. Luke Fickle has recruited probably the best – no, not probably, they have – the best out of this conference. But, man, you talk about losing some dues. You saw all those draft picks. You know, I think seven-plus draft picks from your school that you're going to have to replace. Luke Fickles found a way to do it um, and he's been impressive doing it and finding hidden gems and developing guys in the transfer portal they've used really well as well I expect Cincinnati to firmly be very much in the mix again you know be that team that we're talking about a lot
8: And I'm excited to see what Cincinnati does, like you said, Pollock, without Desmond Ritter. I mean, mean, without uh, my Jay Sanders. Some of these guys that we're talking about are now gone. And so, for me, I want to see Cincinnati. I want to see Houston. There's other teams we could talk about, but those are the teams I'm excited to see probably have a rematch in the AAC championship game.
1: David Pollock, I I thought they called you the tank back in the day, no?
3: <laughs> I was, I was definitely uh, a tank. I was, you know, I was retaining a lot of water back yeah, then, know. Wendy. Yeah, you I know. I it's hit just water
1: weight. Maybe it was just me. I don't, I don't. It was, it was, it was water weight. By the way, guys, this season the FBI gives Cincinnati a less than a one percent chance to make it back to the college football playoff. But everybody likes an underdog. What did give
3: him last year, Wendy? What'd I know. They give them last I know. Year?
1: I know you love the so. FBI. <laughs> well, all right, tank. Hold on, next on College Football Live, Tim Tebow and Roman Harper tell you the most important players to watch in the SEC as the regular season draws near.
11: The beautiful thing about sports... You can see somebody come up to the moment. You can see a team come together. You can see the epic happen.
7: Caught by Boston
11: College. And when it happens live, Touchdown. even if it was scripted pregame, you would have said, nah, that couldn't happen. You oh,
1: he has trouble with the snap. Unbelievable.
11: That's what I love about
7: sports.
1: Speaking of getting ready for the moment, here's South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer getting set for media day. Anticipation already at a fever pitch in Columbia, South Carolina. Here's what he had to say today.
5: Last year, I stood up here, and there wasn't a single person in here that was talking about South Carolina football, other than maybe our beat writers. Uh, No one was talking about any of the individuals on our football team across the country last year. I think the most noise we made at SEC Media Days last year was when we reenacted the Coach Spurrier Arby's picture on the way back to the airport. But there was very little talk about our football team. That's different this year.
1: What a difference a year makes. The college football mountaintop has been reserved for a select few in recent years, and the usual suspects will definitely win games this season. But the question, how many? Chris the Bear Felica breaks down some of your favorite team's win totals. Listen up, so your over-under bets might just cash.
0: Last decade plus, it's been Nick Saban's world, and everybody's kind of living in it.
1: Roll tide,
0: roll! Alabama is once again the favorite to win the national championship, but their rival from the SEC, Georgia, actually has the highest win total on the betting board at 11 and a half.
5: Georgia has won the national championship.
0: With just 12 games on the schedule, the Bulldogs would have to run the table for the over to cash. Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are next with win totals of 11. Last season, all three of those teams went under. In fact, out of the 13 teams with win totals of at least nine and a half last season, only two went over, Georgia and Cincinnati. While the list of haves in college football appears to be shrinking, the list of have-nots is growing as 11 teams have a win total below three, the lowest being New Mexico State at two. And between the have and have-nots is the Pac-12, the only Power 5 conference that does not have a team with a win total of at least nine and a half. However, batters are backing USC to go over its win total of nine. No team has gotten more money on the over than Lincoln Riley and the New Look Trojans. As for the win total I like, it involves Lincoln Riley's former team, Oklahoma. I see some regression, so I'm going under nine and a half with the Sooners.
1: Some other notable win totals include Cincy and Michigan both sit at nine and a half. At Caesars Sportsbook, Notre Dame has their total set at nine. They've won double-digit games in five straight seasons. Texas and Oregon also have win totals of nine, while Miami has their set at eight and a half for the season. Here now our crew in Atlanta with some burning questions in the SEC.
13: Ah, Nick Saban, such a man of the people, as we welcome you back to College Football Live, coming your way from SEC Media Days. Inside the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Bryce Young also spending time with the media here, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, answers all those questions so well the maturity so apparent but what does he have in store for us as he gets another opportunity Roman Harper and Tim Tebow and I gotta put you guys to work I don't think you've done enough here we're gonna ask some real burning questions here (laughs) yeah come on so put on your thinking caps because this is about to get real serious Mm -hmm. we begin with our first burning question and we start with you Tim most important player to their team in the SEC next season
11: I'm going to throw out a unique one. I'm going to go Will Levis. Ooh! Because I, I think with Will, I think this team has a shot to possibly get to a 10 wins. And without him, I don't think they're even close to that. I think he's one of the more talented guys in the country. And... He's also a very underrated athlete not just as a passer, but this guy is a really big strong tough young man that I mean look at him he's driving getting yards. I really love his, his style of play and also think he's going to be a first round draft pick. Uh, oh. That's a lot See, being said right there and I'm not wrong with that I'm going with Hendon Hooker,
5: the quarterback of Tennessee I love the ability that for him to come back makes this Tennessee team so dangerous the way they're under Josh Hypo the way they're explosive they can throw the football deep they spread you out they play with fast pace he brings back Cedric Tillman I can't wait to see these guys continue to go and like he said without him this Tennessee team is not even close to oh, sniffing yeah. the nine to ten wins
13: I mean reality is nobody wanted to play Tennessee last year once uh-huh. they started not to realize the, of the, the speed of that <laughs> offense no one wants to play him this year either okay here's our next question team with the most to prove Tim
11: Um, I think it's Texas A&M. Yeah. I, I, think, I think Texas A&M, for the hype, for being number five in the country, for um, being able to be the number one recruiting team in the country – But when is that going to turn into actually one of the best teams in the country? Right. You know, and and I want to give them a lot of praise because they've done a lot of good things. But I just I think there is a lot of weight to them because of the money, because of the height, because of the pressure, because of the recruiting. I think it has to show up in in more big wins. Mm. For me, I, I agree with
5: Tim. It's got to oh, be. Come on. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to mix it up. If, but if it's the right <laughs> answer, you got to say the right answer. I agree. It's Texas A&M. <laughs> and you see them, all the expectations. You saw them last year. You bring in all the great recruiting classes the last four years. And you're like, what are we going to get? When is it going to come to fruition? And that is what we continue to wait on. We mm-hmm. see all the players In injuries. It doesn't matter. We saw it in everybody else's example. Yeah. Injuries happen in football. Now you have to get the big win. I know it was Alabama last year, but we need more than just Alabama because you backed it up with a bad loss.
13: All right, guys, quickly, Bama, Georgia, or a sleeper to win the SEC, Tim? Bama. Okay.
5: East. That was quick. <laughs> that was, you didn't have to think about that one. I got Bama as well, but Ooh. I got to be honest, there's no, it's not a lot of sleepers. If it is, I'm going to wake them up with this one. Tennessee is the, uh-huh. the team that everybody better watch out for. They're playing spoiler that all mean? year. What does that mean? right, I'll tell you right now. They're really going
13: to gonna spoil Georgia? And,
5: uh, so they're playing Georgia after the Florida-Georgia game. So okay. you get a lot of emotion going into that, that game when well, you know how much that means so who, to both who those are they going to spoil this and, and year? In Tennessee. They, Alabama, Tennessee Georgia, could, they got both could, of them. They could. They are playing it. And then after Alabama plays Texas A&M, and we know how big that game's going to be this year. So they out of play those them three, the following you, Out of those three, do they upset
11: one of them? Yes. Oh! oh! All right. On that note,
13: there's a lot more coming your way from
11: Atlanta here at SEC Media Day. It's Wednesday at the mic.
13: It's Sam Pittman, 9.05 a.m. Eastern. All of it on SEC Network for you. And national title winner Kirby Smart comes to town at 10.30 a.m. Then it's one of two new coaches in the league. Billy Napier heading up at 1 p.m. for the Florida Gators. And Kentucky's Mark Stoops faces the media at 2.25. It all carries on on Thursday as well. We're almost ready for college football it's almost time for it to be
1: back and we can't wait almost meanwhile how about this we can do the same thing who'll be playing for that national title in Los Angeles this season David Joey and Acho make their title predictions in July folks that's when we come back The two-time defending Premier League champs, Manchester City, began a two-game preseason U.S. tour. That's a match against Mexican football power club America, Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 Pacific, on ESPN2 and the app. That game coming to you from Houston. A little farther west, you'll find Los Angeles, California, sunny skies, superstars, and SoFi Stadium, a.k.a., by the way. The site of the college football playoff national championship game. Circle it on your calendars. January 9th, 2023. Who does Caesar Sportsbook like to win it all? Alabama the favorite at plus 180, followed by Ohio State at plus 375. The defending champs, Georgia, are 4-1 to one odds to make it back-to-back titles. Of course, Kirby Smart got that... Um, Monkey off his back, if you will, Sam. He got it done. Now he wants to do it again. Got a little taste of the apple. Uh, give me, if you will, here in July, your national championship <laughs> matchup, Sam Acho. Uh,
8: I think, like most people, even though it's July, I think it's going to be Alabama and Ohio State. I get excited about Ohio State's offense, like we all do. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba's the most dynamic, one of the most, if not the most dynamic receiver in college football. But more excited I get is about their defense Jim Knowles' addition is huge but also they brought over one of Jim Knowles' key pieces a guy by the name of Tanner McAllister was a starting nickel in that Jim Knowles' nickel defense for the last two years started 23 games he's going to be able to help teach the other players on that roster the ins and outs of the defense that's why I like Ohio State Bama obvious reasons right uh, you got your Heisman Trophy winner At quarterback Bryce Young. Then you also have, not only do you have uh, Dallas Turner, who's a young and upcoming star, but you also have Will Anderson, who's the best football player that we have in college. And so for me, that's why those are my two teams.
4: I was thinking Ohio State and Alabama also, right up until I saw those odds. And then Otto took Alabama and Ohio State. So now I feel even worse about that pick. (laughs) uh, Because it always seems like the two favorite teams. Uh, don't make it there. And then you add in, I've never seen Ocho pick anything correctly. So um, I'm going to go with Ohio State. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Clemson. Clemson's going to get in there. Ohio <laughs> State and Clemson for the national championship just because Ocho ruined Ohio State, Alabama. Who, who's cool. starting that quarterback then at Clemson? Look. Is it going to be DJU the whole year? It doesn't matter. I'm going Clemson,
6: all
3: right? That's
4: what don't I got. let reason
1: get in the way here. That's not the point, David Pollock. No rationale. Who you got?
3: I like that we changed it on the fly. Joey's underneath where it said Alabama versus Ohio State. I love that we changed that. I love that Joey does that. I, listen, we're going to be wrong. We're going to take chalk. But my goodness, like Alabama is is the best team. And you look at, you know, years they don't win it and they come back. Obviously, um, it's it's – Yes, and look at my graphic, by the way. It says Alabama versus anyone because it's going to be Bama in the end. Just look at what they have coming back. They didn't do as well as they wanted to a year ago. Best player on offense, best player on defense, all these transfer guys. Nick Saban, like Coach Saban's going to have his work cut out for him all year long to try to avoid dummies like me talking on TV, giving them all the praise because they're going to get it. They're going to get it early and often.
1: David, let's stay right there that if that's the case then you see Alabama as the odds-on favorite to win this thing again, Will we see a repeat Heisman Trophy winner for the first time since Archie Griffin? It's been a long time, 1974. You weren't even here then, of course. Joey was, I think. Anyway, David, will we see? Will we see the back-to-back Heisman winner? I will see him back to back Joey, so I can't stop. Like
3: no, yes. we will not see that. We will see back-to-back Alabama Heisman Trophy winners, but it won't be Bryce Young. I think it'll be Will Anderson. I think he should have been very much in the mix last year. I think he was clearly the best player in college football a year ago that dude is just an absolute freak show he's an animal and I think he's gonna hopefully get more respect the more people watch him play this season and after what he's done the last two seasons my goodness this dude's gonna be the best player in college football again
4: I don't think he'll repeat either and let me just point out how disappointed I am that, that you let David get away with Alabama versus anyone. Like, what are we doing here? That's fair. Like,
11: let's let's, fair criticism.
4: let's it. put it out there. What we're thinking. We know we're going to be wrong. Because we're always wrong, but we still have to pick. I knew it was a bad show when Pollock showed up with a jacket on. Yeah. I knew something was wrong. <laughs> sort of rough start. It's college football <laughs> live, Pollock got a jacket on and, so and goes Bama vs. anyone. This is not the way to start the season, Pollock.
1: He, he's like Brian Kelly in, in Baton Rouge, trying to set the tone, Joey, okay? He's like going to be the new grown-up <laughs> David Pollock. Sam, so you got an answer? Will we see a back-to-back Heisman winner?
8: Uh, I'm with Pollock on this one. I think it's going to be the, Will Anderson. He had 17.5 sacks last year, 34.5 tackles for loss, and Joey is still old, as we all know.
1: Well, listen, I'm right there <laughs> with him, Sam. I earned that one college football live back tomorrow at 1.30 Eastern. gentlemen, on ESPN2. I don't know whether we'll ditch the jackets, but we're going to talk a little more college football. We'll see you then. Have a great night, everybody.